Welcome to episode nine of Virtually Relevant. I'm Eric. I'm Kevin. I'm William. And joining us for this episode is the development crew from Shadows Optional. Hi, I'm Carlos. Hey, I'm Jacob. And I'm Zale. Nice to meet you guys. Or I know, I know you guys. I'm the <laughs> people at home. <laughs> They've been around for a little while. Yeah, we've we've known these guys a, a long time through the Houston VR meetup, and we'll, we'll talk a little later in the, the podcast about what they're up to. But our, uh, our our main topic for today is going to be asymmetrical games in uh, in VR and, and in theory AR, although there's I don't think there's really much that, that goes into that at the moment. Uh, but let's let's kind of catch up on uh, VR news. What's been happening since the last episode? So I saw uh, just before the podcast actually links, which is one of the newer um, XR headsets uh, that's coming to market. <laughs> just raised like $2 million for their first headset, which is just, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting sort of transition from where we were to now, like coming into 2020, these new headsets coming onto the market, starting with $2 million backing, you know, from, from the get go compared to like the, the Oculus Rift, which had, what was, what did they close at on the Kickstarter? It was something like 2.3 or 2.4. Somewhere there. I don't remember. Somewhere in there. And they had two. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just interesting to see, like, there's still very clearly interest in new hardware that's pushing that boundary. Um, the other thing I saw, I don't remember if this was mentioned in the last episode because I actually wasn't on, but uh, Half-Life Alex has an official <laughs> date now. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When's that date? I- it, uh, it is actually I my birthday. it was March 20th. It's March 23rd. Really? March, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. My birthday. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, Half-Life fans and, and, and you know, uh, just nerds in general, I guess, are just screaming <laughs> at that one. Um, so that's actually sooner than I thought it would be pers- personally. Um, I expected it to be like mid 2020, not March. So well, they've been saying for a while. Th- th- they've been saying for a while, though, that it was going to be in March. Okay, yeah, that's good. Valve does sort of have a reputation for not really hitting its deadlines. So, that's I mean, fair. we'll see. But the fact that they actually have put a numeric date on it, I think, means they're... Wait I mean, minute. and they've, they've said that they're done. They're just doing polish at this point. So I just have to say, though, March. March is the third month of oh, the no. year. No, no, don't 23rd. That's oh, two no. threes. No. That's Half-Life 3 confirmed, folks. You heard oh, it here. I'm ready. Exclusive story. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. No. I'm no, going to no, sell the story. Don't, don't listen to that. <laughs> we're, we're here in the podcast with Gabe Newell himself. <laughs> we, we, we have people throwing their phones out the car window. Right, right. Right, just no, never mind. <laughs> Cancel. Unsubscribe. No, please don't. Please don't. No, um... All right. Uh, another thing we've got in the pipeline, uh, assuming that you've got your quest set up for side loading, um, you can now install uh, custom Oculus Home environments. Uh, it's it's a little hackish. It's not something that's really officially supported. They uh, they rolled out the ability to switch between the, the desktop uh, home environment, the quest home environment, and this new one called Winter Lodge. What you can do is you can replace either the uh, desktop one or Winter Lodge with a custom environment uh, through SideQuest. Uh, there's a, a Simpsons one. There's a Game of Thrones throne room one. Uh, <laughs> of course. There's like a Rick and Morty's lab. Um, but, um, I mean, and they, you know, they, they look cool. These are these are clearly kind of, uh, you know, user-created. These are not first-party at all. 
Uh, fortunately, it's, it's not a big deal if you delete them and then select the environment, it'll re-download the original. So there's, you know, it's not going to lose the, the actual environments. But uh, if that's something you want that's to do, it's someone... easy to do. I was someone who kind of gets a lot of a Zen feeling from level design and building environments. I'm actually really, really excited to kind of build my own stuff and then kind of work in there because I got the S and one of the advantages of it is I can just go turn off the bounds, walk somewhere else in my room and then like lay down, copy my desktop view and work just wherever. So now I have even more options to do that. And I'm honestly pretty excited about that. Yeah, one of the things I thought was really interesting or I was like really interested in in the early days was like customizing my home environment cuz when they first introduced like the Steam home environment it was it was like awesome, great. I can move around to space. How do I get my own stuff in here? Or how do I design my own one because while this is cool, I want, you know, I want this or I want that, you know, I want the holodeck and then you get people who are developing their own, which is now we're finally starting to see that in Oculus, well, on the Quest sort of which, you know, is just a level of personalization that I think is is overdue um, on 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 the Rift slash Oculus hardware, um, just because it's it it's currently Oculus is currently like the iPhone to the Android of uh, VR. They're very like it's it's locked down. It can do these things, but you've got to use our stuff. Whereas Steam's like you want to you know put on a VR headset and suddenly you're on the moon, boom, do it. You're good. And you can share it with people. Yeah. That's um, a, that's a fair, you know, comparison. Right. Uh, maybe not yeah. as, maybe not as like, you know, hundred percent, but yeah, yeah. It definitely, you have to yeah, like I mean, prescribe to their, like it's customizable. Yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah. And you know, I've been messing with, uh, photogrammetry for the past week and, you know, capturing, uh, you know, my office environment and capturing my front yard, things like that. And then sideloading them onto the uh, the quest, uh, it would oh, actually wow. be pretty cool to you know just kind of get my my office environment and load that as my uh, my Oculus home screen. I might have to give that a try. I'm not sure if you guys uh, saw this recently, but there was a guy who did like a, a show off of like what he'd done, where he'd um, he'd mapped every object in his room with like in 3D modeled them more or yes. less. Not that, not they, yeah. they weren't textured, but they were just sort of black and white, and he could walk around and he had like a side view. Of like what is was that he was looking at in VR and what he was lacking in real life and it was fantastic everything matched up perfectly and just walked around his room with his headset and it was all there I can only imagine texturing that for yourself being wherever you want giant walls or windows would be fantastic you are never allowed to move that chair again it could be lethal right <laughs> <laughs> or you can stick vive pucks to everything and it'll be fine very good that's fair <laughs> yeah what's the device that does the room scanning it spins around uh, we had oh, them in Matterport. ICC and. Matterport, right. Yeah. So just drop a Matterport camera in a room, 3D scan, drop that into Oculus Home or Steam VR Home, whatever, and then all of a sudden, boom, there you go. You're you've got your room. Uh and it does a pretty decent job of actually giving you a, a good re- 3D representation. It probably takes some tweaking to like, you know, scale and, and make sure everything's lined up properly, but I think you'd get a pretty decent output from from that. And that's the thing where you could just drop it in and go, Okay, well here it is. Boop, scan two minutes drop it in you're good to go but they want some pretty decent rental rates for, for borrowing <laughs> yeah though. yeah i know that <clears throat> i bet how does it handle like the back of surfaces it doesn't it's doesn't. it's designed <laughs> for you to uh to just stand in certain specific spots right uh, makes sense yeah you know, i mean you get depth but if you take a step to the left or step to the right you see gaps uh it's, it's designed yeah. for three off uh vr primarily 
Yeah, makes sense. Really yeah, need to, like, I kind of imagine it like the Hololens um, uh, area tracking, spatial tracking. Sort of. I think the ins. Honestly, I think it'd be most interesting once we get a look at. Well, if we ever get a look at what Insight is actually doing behind the scenes, because what they what they talked about at OC five was that the quest was essentially scanning your room every so many seconds and creating a point cloud right. and using that to build a 3D model that it used to reference your point in 3D space. And if we ever get a chance to be to tap into that model, you could essentially just walk your quest around any given room for your play space and import essentially that into your 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 uh, your home environment. So wasn't wasn't going going a little bit back to the Android uh, Apple in comparison, wasn't Vive Pro <laughs> doing that as well and kind of allowing you to map services and in your room very very basically? I don't know if the Vive Pro was I, because I the Vive Pro is, is still using lighthouse tracking. But it does the two forward facing cameras. It does. So maybe I know they, they, they open up pass through AR right. more so than anything else. Right. I know they offered uh, some basic hand tracking, uh, but I don't remember if they offered oh, okay. you know room geometry. You have no idea how desperately I want Oculus <laughs> I to give access to that that room geometry because there's so much Probably stuff you could do if you could just reskin the real world. Oh man, I have yeah. so many ideas with that. Oh my god! Funny, I wanna, I've, funny enough, actually, uh, it just, I think that's really relevant to exactly this question, but. Like a while back, I actually messaged John Carmack on Twitter after, like, after yeah. C five about like, hey, I heard y'all had like a like a mesh point cloud map of our spaces. Could we use that in developer mode? And he sort of kind of talked around how he, he was they weren't allowing him to. But the gist of it basically was that there were secu- huge security risks if you allowed developers to do that. But that he was advocating for it internally. And will and look forward. I don't think he, he wasn't. He definitely didn't make any promises of any kind. But there's definitely a, an argument internally about letting us use it. If it ever comes to fruition, who knows? But yes, I Facebook mean, is a staunch defender of your privacy and would never <laughs> want your oh, yeah. private data oh, to yeah. become uh, publicly. It's accessible. a fair point, though. I mean, personally, like honestly, <laughs> yeah. when you think about it, like, and if you install forty apps on your Quest, and all forty of those have access to your room yeah. data. You know, they know probably way more than you need than they need to know by looking at that point cloud model. I mean, you can get from what we saw, you can get a pretty good read on what's going on. Like you'd know the layout of somebody's house right. over time, depending upon what they played. And I can see how that is technic. You know, that is a security risk. But again, it like is. you said, Facebook not historically the. Mm-hmm the stalwart guardians of your your personal data so yeah that's 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 a subject that you know we do want to get into on a, on a later episode the sort Definitely. of what all of these things mean for our, our biometric privacy and our, our our virtual reality privacy uh moving forward because it is it's been made known that facebook is recording more data than they need to i wish it would it was practical to you know set up so that you you know on an app by app basis the app had to request permission for that and pop up the same way it does if it needs your mic or if it needs to write to the file system and you give it right. permission and you know if it could be limited so that it never left the headset you know i mean if I, I don't know how you would prevent it from getting posted back but um you know if they only use that data locally and they got deleted at the end of the session so right yeah something along those lines of 
and, and that's that's something I'd love to see. Um, you know, is a like I walked out of the OC five keynote thinking, oh man, I want to play a horror game in the woods where it skins the trees as trees so that I don't run into them, but like I'm actually running through the woods, right? Where or you know slowly creeping through the woods i guess right where you know enemies or ghosts or monsters or whatever are coming at me from all sides and then i take the headset off and i'm still in the <laughs> woods like that's kind of a, it's an inception moment of like oh shit am i am i still in the game right Right. but is that one of those things is like what's the difference between that and you know ar advanced ar right yeah right it's I mean, just getting to that same great good area. enough yeah, if you get good enough, then then it's closer to the mixed reality area. Yeah. But. All right. Other things that have been happening. Um, there was a, a JDI high pixel density uh, display that we'd, we'd seen demoed before, but they said they are actually going into mass production this quarter, which strongly implies that there are customers lined up. And it, it really is a very VR headset specific display. The The real benefit there is it's, you know, it's super dense, but... Uh, but relatively small, which implies you're probably using pancake lenses, uh, kind of the way that some people are doing with uh, micro displays, uh, which would mean a smaller form factor for the headset. And, and I think we're going to see things trending strong in that direction. If you look at like the half dome prototypes, you know, half dome one versus two versus three, I mean, the size probably drops by half. Uh, I think everybody's aiming for less bulky, less front heavy. So uh, right. I'm not, I'm really curious to know who's going to be using those. Um and and I'm I'm keen to try them, you know, try something with the the smaller form factor. Well, to say something, they look they do look cool. They look like a pair of steampunk goggles come to life. Oh, yeah. you're talking about the uh, oh, who was it that the made Panasonic? Those? Panasonic, yeah. yeah, yeah. They were using micro displays. These aren't micro displays, but same idea. Uh, smaller displays, higher pixel densities, uh, making up for it with the optics. So. But yeah, no, I, I I thought those were totally steampunk, and I love them. <laughs> I'm about so. it. Yeah, the what I want them to do. There was a, a company, uh, Imagen, I believe, that did ones like that a few years ago, and uh, you could actually flip up the the eyepieces in front of your eyes. It would just hang up over your forehead and looked uh, like a great way to swap back and forth. So I hope. Oh, they do that's that cool. Well. Right. Yeah. Somebody want to talk so, about the the Sony patents? Yeah, so I, I just kind of saw this actually not too long ago. Uh, but so it looks like Sony has come out with a patent for some possible new VR controllers. Uh, About which, time. Yeah, really. No, as of now, of course, they've been using the old Move controllers back from the PlayStation 3 days. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Damn. Um, but with these, they, they've got a little bit of a uh, Nintendo Wii kind of look to them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, blocked for, like, Sony. Yeah, it, 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 is, it is kind of a odd look now that you mention it. Kind of reminds you of a stapler. coming from guy. Sony. That might just be, like, a developer model, in the end, but the, uh, and the actual aesthetics aren't part of the patent at all. It's more so along the lines of the internals. And that, 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 that's a that's maybe Could yeah be. and that's another big thing about patents is companies come out with patent after patent and they never see the light of day they just, they just the want to make sure if they do want to get it out there that they have it 
and nobody else does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. Right. It's but just hard to get somebody else trying to get in Like, like Apple's uh, distance, uh, like lens to eyeball distance or uh, display to eye, li- eye distance reduction patent that we'll right. probably never see. Well, I mean, yeah, we're already it's... kind of seeing similar ones. I'm actually surprised they haven't, you know, contested that. Really? I mean, the whole that's the whole pancake oh, wow. lens thing is is the same principle. It's just uh, bouncing it back and forth to increase the effective distance between your eye and the the screen. Well, the that's question is, can they? Can they? <clears throat> it's the U.S. Patent Office and and I guess maybe other country patent offices. They tend to be pretty liberal with awarding a patent. Yeah. But when it comes to actually defending that patent, that's where things get squirrely. And I think if if Apple doesn't feel that they have a rock solid case for saying no, 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 this is absolutely in violation of our of our patent and the core concept is our patent um i think you know that they would they would take it up then but i don't think i don't think they've quite gotten anything to where they can say okay yeah no for sure this is us plus they don't have a marketable product so it's not like they can put out an injunction right you know things like that harder and there's i mean it's hard to it's hard to argue when you don't have anything that's actually using it there's there's definitely there's definitely yeah. prior art that's using the same principle. I mean, so their their patent may be narrowly on their specific implementation of it. So, mm-hmm. it, it is kind of a weird thing as well, uh, considering that uh, Apple hasn't really shown any interest in VR, and that's pretty much what that patent of theirs really targets is VR, and not AR. That is notable, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but. I- you know, it's it's things we'll we'll probably see coming up. So, um, do we have any? Are there any more stories you want to get? Y'all want to jump right into the uh, the the topic of the day? There's the recent delays that came out a few hours ago. The recent Oculus Quest delays. The news came out a few hours ago that oh, basically really? all the bunch of production facilities in China, of course, um, are being. We've got sorry. At this point, we've got half the population of China under some form of quarantine or extended quarantine zone, and that's right. affecting many, many things, that, including the Quest, which was already delayed till February, and now it looks like it's going to be longer before some people can start ordering them again. Yeah, I think that's something that was speculated on in a, a previous episode about, you know, we, we were saying, well, with, you know, Chinese New Year usually slows things down um, around this time of year. And then, yeah, with the coronavirus, you know, being what it is, it's it's really complicated production. Um, it, it's it's got to be throwing a wrench in in a lot of companies' production lines. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if something you know something major happened between uh, Microsoft and Sony's production lines for their new consoles. They're supposed to be out this year as well. I mean, it's got to be like impacting that. a lot of people. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, it's. You think about it, most products, especially electronics products, are made in China or they're yeah. manufactured at least in part in China. Right. And so we're, you know, that is the heart of it. And so it's it's inevitably it's going to be a situation where consumers are affected, production is affected and, and, and supply is is ultimately affected. So you're I would expect, you know, end of this year, Christmas and everything to see delays or outright, you know, items just being sold out and back ordered for a long period of time. Uh, you know, the end, the, the the half-life Alex is coming out soon and you still can't get an index. So, 
Right. I just feel, I just feel bad for the uh, Hololens two teams because like they've been back ordered and like well they're super behind on production. I'm sure this is just throwing a wrench into even their like trying to fix that. They're, that's getting right. messed up. Yeah. And we may never even see the Hololens. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So. Let's jumping talk right about into asymmetrical it. games. Yeah. 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 So asymmetrical games VR AR. Um. I struggle to come up with any AR asymmetrical. Um, there's mo- just mainly some tech stuff that I had seen in the past. There's um, there's an old video of, I think it was um, a Stanford uh, professor who was showing a model they designed that was, uh, it was the inside of a volcano. And so people in HoloLenses could walk around and sort of see everything, see all the lava tubes and everything inside while someone on a separate screen was controlling things so that's about the only thing i can come up with on on the ar side of asymmetrical anybody else not really mm. no mean, it's kind of been under I, I, I can imagine a lot of ar examples that work really well with other immersive tech right like a oh, like right. ar with a vr uh, like asymmetricality to it actually now that i think about it um wasn't there a demo of minecraft a- yes, it, it was both true. ARs, the Hololens. But one person was playing in Minecraft in a headset, and then another person was playing on it on a table, like several yes. years ago. So, I mean, that's probably like a good example of what what we're likely to see for asymmetrical AR or something like a tower defense game where one person is playing as the defender and the other person is playing as the attacker or hordes of attackers. Um, Maybe one other potential category we could see is large community-based asymmetrical augmented reality games. So you have these location-based games already that Niantic produces, and you might be able to fuse that with community involvement of people not necessarily on their phones or on their phones but not using it in an AR capacity with people walking around with their phones out using it, using AR, and the two, there could be some sort of like interesting back and forth between the two. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, interactivity between different versions of a game is 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 a potential way of going about that. There was a game. There's Eve Online has, you know, has been around forever, and I remember there was a uh, there was a spinoff called like Dust Three One Seven or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. The PlayStation. And it was supposed game. to be an FPS based uh, shooter that affected the real world or the Eve world gameplay and so like players who played the the eve game the the core game could like create jobs and those fps players could then pick up those jobs and do them and in in exchange for currency and so it was like this sort of ecosystem of multiple games and i I like that idea but when i think of asymmetrical i was gonna say i I remember there being ideas in that like during those early discussions of you know um, PC players being able to load up outside, like in the ba- the maps you play in the FPFs are legitimate mm-hmm. planets outside in the Eve world, and there was talks yeah. of say- doing things like, oh man, you know my my company has hired out a bunch of people to fight this battle. We can load we can load up outside this planet and do orbital bomb- bombardments on their game match. Right, right, and so you know that's an interesting concept when it comes to like the whole ecosystem of of properties owned by the same company that all affect each other. I, I really like that idea. Um, 
so far, unfortunately, nothing quite that expansive. And honestly, I think that that ended up the, floundering the... and didn't really do anything. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think the game might have actually been canceled, unfortunately. But um, really quick, an, an aside that gives me an interesting concept as to like how the Oasis could ever actually be built. It's not necessarily one giant game, but it's the interconnectedness between a bunch of games that all agreed to allow other games to influence that game through a, like the bridging program, which would then be as close as we may ever get to the Oasis. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it like mm, like that or more like uh, the Metaverse and Snow Crash where everybody's accessing it from various different devices in different ways, um, it, it sort of makes sense if you're if you're affecting a core virtual world um and interacting with it in various you know through various means like imagine a world where you've got your mobile phone game players are playing some spin-off of candy crush that's doing algorithmic decoding to unlock uh you know <laughs> things that you know it's it's like they're they're basically earning bitcoin that they can then use to buy other things and that creates its own market where VR FPS players are are you know fighting these virtual wars for land or or whatever. So I mean, it's an interesting concept of of being able to take all of these different things and and make them mesh together. It's very ambitious, and I think that's we're not quite ready for it. I think that's kind of why the the Eve Online thing didn't go as as far as it probably could have. Is the tech either wasn't there, or you know they just didn't see enough use out of it or, or something. But like when I think asymmetrical gameplay, I'm thinking we're both playing the same game. Our experiences are different, but we're usually either together physically, we are playing over Wi-Fi or you know over the internet, but we're playing the same game, same experience in real time. Right, almost yeah. like a party game. Same experience. I mean, well, sorry, yeah, no, same I mean, experience like, meaning the same software. I right, guess. sure, sure. Yeah, no, I mean, when I think asymmetrical, I I, I typically think because I mean, I've seen asymmetrical the the term asymmetrical applied to the the same experience. Just you know, say one person's in VR doing a first person shooter, and then someone else is on the computer doing the same first person shooter. You know, uh, that that it it for it to Not be asymmetric, quite. I feel like it has to have a difference to the experience when they when you're coming right. into it different you know, from gameplay. the different point yeah the gameplay has to be different for different people accessing it in different ways i mean the the most extreme examples like keep talking and nobody explodes where you know one person's a vr headset another person's using a paper manual um but you know i just feel like it has to be subjectively different to play one way versus the other right um so my favorite example um, and several of us played this together is Akron or Akron's. <laughs> yes. That was, that was a fantastic example of what is a, like a, a pure to the core asymmetrical game in VR and out of VR. Um, you've got, you've got, you know, one player in VR playing as the tree protecting the acorns and, you know, has all of these different abilities and, and how the game works is so drastically different from the other players who are playing on mobile devices controlling squirrels and very Fortnite-y, i guess i mean it's, yeah. it's a third person <laughs> you know attack the thing and and do the thing and respawn i mean it's like um, a capture the flag more than anything else but it's, yeah it's, yeah. yeah it's very capture the flag um you know it's 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 
over the sh- not quite over the shoulder third person, but you know, true third person. Um, <clears throat> different classes have different abilities, things like that. So like the experience is so very different, but you're playing together and you're playing the same game. Um, it's you know, it's 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 such a compelling concept to me. It's such it's it's they're one of my favorite genres of games when it comes to VR because you're finally in a situation where okay, yeah, you got one person in a VR headset, but now they are in a VR headset and they can do you know, they don't have to feel like oh, everyone's just watching me play. No, everyone's actually actively involved and we're all playing the same game and you can pass the headset around and you know, everybody gets a turn at this. So it it makes it it takes it away from like the traditional or at least the I guess it's hard to say traditional and it's only been a few years, but <laughs> the traditional, you know, VR party games like Beat Saber where it's like, okay, do you want to turn now? And we'll all watch you hit these boxes instead. Now it's, Hey, let's all play this game together. All right. I did, you know, I did three rounds as the tree. Now it's your turn to hop in and I'll play as a squirrel. So it's that one. I loved, um, it's, I'm a, it's just I'm a so big good. fan of that because I mean most even even now with you know the the quest becoming a little more accessible in most situations you're going to be in social situations there's going to be one VR headset so if you want multiple people to be actively playing some of those people are going to have to be playing not in a VR headset in some different way so I, I get very excited when that's done in a compelling way I mean I thought Akron was was brilliant because it really is equally fun to play as a squirrel or as the tree um and I think but that a, a equal, equally fun part is the really, really difficult part to kind of nail down. Because actually, my first game jam, Zale, you and I were on the same team, and we tried making an asymmetrical VR game. Uh, keyword being try. And we'd never <laughs> done anything like that before, and we were trying to do it in 48 hours. So it's making it fun for the person in VR, but it's making it fun for the person on the computer as well right, right. and so it's like we were building two games at once we we came to discover yeah yeah right so a a, a quick question for y'all then uh would y'all consider like star trek bridge crew as a asymmetrical because everyone has their own role that you know no one else can do um but it's still all in vr no i think it i would I, those kinds of games i usually uh classify under the and it's not a real genre. I call them yelling games, um, <laughs> because what you're doing is 90% yelling at your friends. You know why aren't you doing blank? Why aren't you know do blank faster? And followed by we're all gonna die. <laughs> well, is that's predicated off of that other game? What was it was called like Turbo something? Oh, um, where like everyone was playing on their own uh, tablet or phone, and they all right. had a different display, and it was basically like. You know, one of person would have to like shake their phone to like charge up the the shields, and another person would have to like scroll a thing, and and everybody was playing together. Their experiences were different. It's sort of asymmetrical, but it's collaborative. Are you talking about Space Team? I'm sorry, I missed Space Team, isn't it? Isn't it? Space Team. Yeah, Space Team. Okay. And that is coming to VR, by the way. Oh my lord! That'll be cool. Wonderful. So I mean, that's it. Kind of blurs the line because like when you think asymmetrical, you think generally um or at least what we've seen most of the time is there's two versions um there's the version a and version b um those games have three four five six different versions but 
the 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 core question i guess is is the experience drastically different from one or the other um you know if you're like when it comes to star trek bridge crew right your role is different your control board in front of you may be different but your experiences are largely the same you're all in the space together you're all doing the same basic thing working towards the same common goal Whereas in the case of Akron or there was one called like uh, chick something, it was a farmer. It's a, it's a, it's a farmer trying to basically get all these chickens back in the basket. Chicks and Meanwhile, tricks. Chicks and tricks. Chick- there you yeah. go. Yeah. It's a farmer trying to get all these chickens back in the basket. Meanwhile, uh, another player is playing as a fox who is trying to eat all the chickens. Right. And so you, you're generally at odds. And that's what I think of a lot of the times when I think of asymmetrical. You're you're competing against each other or at least in different goals. That being said, um, there was a few that we'd seen mentioned uh, where you're both working together. One person's uh, you know on the ground doing one thing while the other person is sort of the, the overwatch. Right. Um, There's some sort of collaborative method where one player is perhaps... Right. You know, activating platforms, opening doors. Right. What was the one? Oh, there was a game, and it wasn't VR, um, I don't believe. But one player is playing as, like, the spy who's trying to infiltrate this base. And the other player is playing as, like, the hacker who's supporting them. And they're, it was like, called, opening... Uh, it was yeah, Molly and Case. It was Molly and Case. Is that it? That was it. It was way back. So yeah. The- so they're like they're they're trying to they're hacking open doors and things like that and they're they're sort of your eye in the sky slash Overwatch you know whatever you want to call it they're they're doing the behind the scenes stuff to help you achieve the goal. I like it's those very when collaborative, they're, but the yeah, experience is very very different. different. I like that. That's where I really get excited is is when you know your gameplay genuinely affects each other, but your experience is is very different. Um, has everybody played Moss? I have not, sadly. With with Moss, you know, you you have this sort of you're, you're this large, almost godlike presence, and then there's a, a mouse that's the sort of protagonist. And you actually kind of play both sides. You you pilot the mouse with you know your joystick, but you can also reach in and rearrange the environment and move things and connect things up. Um, there there are some asymmetrical games where they separate those two roles, uh, like uh, Carly and the Reaper Man. Um, the Reaper Man role is VR. And you can reach in and and move things in the environment and rearrange. Basically, you're kind of at a godlike level adjusting the platforms. And then right. the person who's playing on you know gamepad or you know keyboard and mouse is is moving around through that environment. And you have to coordinate you know, with each other to to solve problems. Right. So jumping back, Carlos, you mentioned game jam game. Or uh, sorry, Jacob, you mentioned game jam games. Yes. Um, so there was one that I actually had played by recommendation of a friend of mine called uh, Mass Exodus. And so the idea there is one player, the player in VR, plays as sort of the overlord. Um, They are this sort of all-seeing monitor who is watching over these these robots in, in this warehouse. All other players on the local machine, which I thought was really cool because you don't need a bunch of extra machines or mobile phones or anything like that. It's all it's five player local multiplayer. Um, so four other players playing on game pads play as sentient robots with the goal of shutting down specific key elements of the warehouse without being discovered as sentient robots. 
I think that's a fascinating. So, so that was from a gameplay perspective. No, yeah, like, so, so the idea, fantastic. what was really cool is they gave the Overlord sort of, and, and there's like hundreds of robots walking around this warehouse. So they gave the Overlord certain powers. They could freeze all non-sentient robots for a short period of time, so which would give them time to kind of look around. But And it makes the players have to keep on their toes of, oh, no, everyone else stop moving. I should stop moving. Otherwise, I'm going to get caught. Right. It's kind of um, that subgenre of, you know, blend with the NPCs. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a stealth game sort of in, in VR. Um, and so that's another one where, you know, like one, pro- one player can play in VR. Everyone else can play you know, on gamepad. But I thought it was really awesome. And it's, it's really it really hits that like party game aspect because it's all on the one computer you don't have to have multiple computers it's you know it's a it's on steam it's a game jam game i don't remember how much i think it was like five dollars but it's five players can all play together on the same machine as long as you have four controllers and you can connect them all um you're 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 good to go and this was a game jam game like they they made it this far in the process uh i think within like a week or two and and it was it definitely needs polish. You can tell it's a game jam game, but or at least when I played it, it, it needed polish. Um, but it's it's great. It's it's it really rams home the concept of that asymmetrical gameplay. And like you like you mentioned, the fun part is often the trickiest thing. Make it so that you want to continue to play. And I will say that you know, and not to I guess keep praising Akron's, but like <laughs> we played the crap out of that game for hours after OC six, it was just, we were all just sitting there playing for, for a couple hours at least. And we played it again the following day with another friend who, who wasn't in on that, that playthrough just because we were like, man, this is great. And, uh, you know, you can just jump in with a room code and, uh, you know, suddenly you're in it's, it's, it's pretty fantastic, but, but yeah, the fun is definitely the hardest part of asymmetrical gameplay because you don't want to leave somebody out. You don't want to say like, Keep talking and nobody explodes. Is fun for the person in the VR headset. It can be fun for the people using the manual, but like you mentioned, Carlos, is you're kind of just getting yelled at <laughs> most yeah. of the time. Yeah, like, yeah. No, no, it's this. It's the green wire. It's the green wire. Like you know, you're. And if you're not yelling back, <laughs> it's only so much fun if you're not yelling back. Exactly, <laughs> Gabe Newell. If you're listening, just add yelling as a category, as a genre on Steam. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And, and apparently, Eric has quite a bit of firsthand experience this with couples as well. <laughs> yeah, right, no, Eric? we we used to run couples uh, through Keep Talking, No One Explodes, and and it was funny because I mean, you know, some couples oh my God. were fantastic because I mean they they could kind of read each other's minds, and other couples, it was like when you know the the story about people assembling furniture from ikea together i mean you were afraid they were going to end up divorced before the end of the game uh they're just screaming at each other and, and furious because they don't understand each other oh my god high-tech newlywed game slash taboo right or pictionary like it's a dog it's a dog what do you right i don't do that anymore because i mean when it when it goes well it's great when it goes poorly it can be really bad i mean people really you know have these simmering resentments afterwards it's like no i'm not gonna do that again <laughs> maybe if, maybe if you had read the correct serial number marcia right <laughs> oh god there's a a pretty cool one I, I think it may be japanese it's called medusa and her lover the the person it was playstation vr game the person in vr plays medusa and if they look at a, a creature a monster it, it freezes them um 
but if they look at their fellow player, their lover, uh, it, it kills them. So wow. the person playing on the gamepad has a sword and they're going through and they're having to yell instructions to Medusa, you know, whenever there's things that they can't handle and they need to, you know, okay, I'm going to hide behind this tree. You go look at this. I mean, they had to huh. coordinate so that Medusa never looks at her lover and, and freezes him. So, Oh, that's amazing. That yeah, it's a that's clever, really uh, cool. clever mechanic. Yeah, that's really awesome of of sort of forcing you to be collaborative without without actually communicating in different ways. So like um what's the it's the old like trust team building exercise or whatever. Right. Like blindfold a person and then have them have another person navigate them through like a maze. Right. Yeah, cuz I mean like, if you're playing it well, you never see each other. I mean, right. uh <laughs> but you're, you know, you're relying on each other for your lives. So Exactly. Like, how much do you trust me? Right. So. so that's that's cool. I really like that concept of of okay, you know, I'm gonna help you out, but we can't we can't directly interact. Like, I'm not gonna be able to like really help you, and you need to be really communicative with me. That's that's an interesting. I, a lot of these are or a lot of the ones that you've mentioned so far are just sound like things that couples counselors should just be getting in. Like. <laughs> Let's see how good your communication skills are. Untap VR sit margin. You down and let you play this game. If you choke out your partner, <laughs> uh, we may need to we may need to sit y'all down on the couch and talk some things out. Take your anger out virtual. So, so okay. So we've talked about a few of them. Um, I mentioned the idea of of the co op, similar yet, or I think actually Eric, you mentioned this part, the similar yet different mostly similar experiences um so there was one uh, i had seen called what was it containment initiative so like one player is down on the ground you know in the nitty-gritty fighting zombies up close and then another player on pc right is yeah is a sniper yes so they're, they're yes. kind of your aerial support but the yeah. whole goal is, is is i'm i'm lost i i guess i didn't read too much about it so the whole concept is like stay alive for a certain amount of time or are you actually moving towards a goal do we know no, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure not i haven't actually played sure. it i've seen videos yeah, of yeah. It. I, it wasn't too clear from what i the things i had seen i, I just didn't know if you guys happened to know they, they did eventually more. add another mode to it where the the person on the pc can just be you know fighting alongside them on the ground mm -hmm. which yes. which is is less kind of asymmetrical but uh but i did like the More idea of okay there you know there's one person slogging through the horde of zombies and another person trying to pick them off without shooting the player you know help them out so right yeah no, and I so like i that. i kind of wonder with that uh hopefully they have something where uh, I, again, we're not too sure exactly uh, how how the the game is is played and in, in what constitutes as a win situation. But it, hopefully, they have something like uh, where you know the guy on the ground in VR has to get through kind of like a, a maze type thing, and right. the the scout playing on PC is kind of helping them guide guide the, the vr player around and you know telling them when to go and when to stay i would you know. flip that personally i would say have the pc user play you know like just say you have a a, a harm or not a harmless um a defenseless npc or a defenseless player who's playing on pc their their field of view is very limited they can't really you know they've their their controls are Pretty straightforward. You gotta save the survivors. Around. You gotta right, guide yeah. them to the end of the maze. 
Exactly. And so then you've got a guy in the tower and that's your VR player, uh, either not in the tower or just has sort of a God view um, who can like say, okay, all right, you're going to go up and you're going to take a left. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. There's a trap there now. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, go now. Like that kind of thing. I think kind that's of a, kind of what you're getting at, but I think situation. that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, like a like, like a like their like handler, like we were talking before, with thing. the spy and the handlers helping them out I, on the right. I know right. we discussed. I would say that if the first person view should be the the PC player because the controls are more straightforward, and and a VR player would benefit better from being able to see everything. Um, unless you were going that hacker spy route, in which case, like you're not actually you don't actually see everything. You just kind of have like. Maybe like Five Nights at Freddy's style, like you've got CCTV cameras, like you're flipping through. Oh wow, yeah. And mm. uh, you know, like trying to kind of navigate like somebody. You gotta like press Matter buttons fact, to the, open if doors. If Scott Cawthon is listening, the guy who made Five Nights at Freddy's, <laughs> call me because that's a hell of a VR concept, and uh, it would fit perfectly with their with his uh, his his theme there. So like, you gotta get through the pizzeria. Give me a call, Scott. <laughs> well, it, you you can kind of actually, in a way, you can kind of do that with budget cuts because you've got the little right. gun, you know, where you shoot the teleporter, and right. then you can just sit there and right. look at the image of the teleporter before you actually go through. Right. So, like a sequel to budget cuts would be a good one where you've got one player who's on PC or on on you know non VR is like they're just looking at either a CCTV view or a map view that doesn't give them all the details obscure it so there's difficulty on both sides because if you just have that god view it's almost a little too easy because you can actively see from all angles like what's going on but if you're if you're obfuscated through you know cameras or a a limited perception of what's happening then it's a little more collaborative. It's a little more and, like and solving okay. that obfuscation can be the the role of the exactly. person on the PC side. That's, so you that's they, the they unlock more abilities for the VR player to thus turn around and help right. out the PC person. See, free ideas just on this podcast <laughs> all day, every day. Yeah, I'm I'm sure in the end it really could work both ways. You know, it just go. It depends on how you use them exactly. Exactly, like. It, all of these things you can really flip the script on between like who's doing what. Um, and it just comes down to what the actual gameplay is. Um, you know, you so. see a, a number of these where because VR does so well with scale and you can, you know, feel godlike and huge, you know, they, they give the player in VR this, you know, very tall, large perspective. And then, you know, the player on the PC is, you know, something tiny. There's one, I, I believe it was called, um, uh, what was it? eye in the sky maybe there's two robots yeah. there's one giant robot and then there was a little robot. the giant robot is in vr and then the little robot is um gamepad but you know i actually feel like you know those could both halves could work in vr and be very different experiences because i think being small in vr and collaborating with someone very big you know they put their hand down you climb on their hand they lift you up and you climb into a space that they couldn't get into uh you know or they you know move large things out of your way so that you can go through I mean, I think it would be a, a very different experience playing large versus playing small, but you'd still both be in VR. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, another thing with this is kind of the, the whole communication aspect. It, it, it'd be kind of neat to to see how, how they can play with that a little bit to where, you know, say you, you got two people together and y'all can't actually talk or y'all y'all aren't supposed to talk but say the the person in vr can use their hands 
journey esque. Oh, you know, yeah. like like with with Eye in the Sky. Say you're playing as a little robot, and you know you know what to do, but the guy in the sky doesn't know what you need to do. So you know you kind of go around, say point to a block, or m- maybe you can like mimic out, play like a little bit of charades or something. <laughs> uh, I, I know, do as, like as you're that. playing the game. Yeah, I do like, you know, being able to have some degree of communication, but it being non-standard, you know, having to kind of find ways to communicate. Although you take that to an extreme, I I think I've talked about it maybe in a prior podcast, so I won't talk too much about it. But there's a a guy named Jason Rohr. He's he does these little art games and so on, lives completely off grid, grows his own food, really odd, but very cool guy. Um, And he made an asymmetrical desktop game, um, which was uh, I think he called it a disjunctive asymmetrical game. Uh, you play in conjunction with another player, you're paired up with someone random, you have absolutely no way of communicating with each other, but your actions affect the other person's world, and you need the other person to do certain things in order to be able to complete your quest. And so you have to infer from the things that are happening in your world being caused by the other person what they probably need from you. And so it's, you know, absolutely no direct communication. You're just having to infer from what you're seeing what must be needed and what the other player must be doing. And so you end up collaborating indirectly. I would love to see something like that, you know, uh, experimented with in VR where you're you're impacting each other's world, you're changing them, but there's no direct way to communicate. And you're just having to, that's part of the puzzle aspect is figuring out what they must be doing and therefore what you need to be doing. And what was was that the uh, the game with the colored blocks? Yes, that, you that were was telling it. Me about okay, okay, yeah, that, that that was that was certainly interesting. Um, ho- ho- hopefully, we can find that one as as well. And we'll do that. We'll and, do. It's called it was called between. We'll do one. like between VR. <laughs> so you know, I'm, I I am a little concerned um, with you know it. It seems like a lot of these games kind of fit into certain categories uh chicks and tricks mass exodus uh one that we didn't really mention uh nemesis realms and akron that's all kind of you know outside players against the person in vr um you've got uh a a game like uh, iron wolf and uh fast and low uh, that are more co-op, you know, they're just kind of stuck into one person in VR, one in, in PC. And, and those, I'm not sure if you could really call those asymmetrical since they are, um, they're, they're fairly the, the same. Uh, it's just a different style of playing. Uh, kind of, you know, the, the fast and low is a first person shooter, one person in VR, one person in PC. Right. Uh, and then, and then you got, uh, like the one we were just talking about, Eye in the Sky, and the one you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, Carly and the Reaper Man, where the, the person in VR is this big figure in the world, and the person on PC is a small player. And, it, it, you know, it's just kind of a, a puzzle game uh on that so you know i i am a little uh worried that they might kind of fall into like these kind of ruts that just reoccur you know very much like what we saw in the very beginning of of vr where we just had tons of games that were just similar you know oh yeah the era of the wave shooter yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i mean 
we'll see some of that just by the very nature of like Steam's unbridled uh, <laughs> content approval process where they don't really care what you put on the store. I mean, we, we are we still see some of that. But I think what's really going to be the true test is what shines through. Um, yeah, And absolutely. then eventually, of course, like just like with the app market, we'll have a million clones of that. Um, <laughs> what's What's great to me up to this point has been that there are a few really good examples, and they're very... They tend to be small indie projects. They're not these huge AAA uh, titles that we see because they, you know, they can take those chances, and that's great. I, I love seeing that because you get experiences, you get fun, uh, fun surprises like you know, like games like Akron and Mass Exodus that came from a game jam or, or a fairly small team where you're like, I, I don't know what this game is. Let me give it a shot. And, you know, on a random Friday night with some friends and you go, oh man, this is awesome. And then you're addicted for the next week. Um, and that's, that's really great. That's, that's like, that makes me feel like, uh, you know, my younger days of like doing land parties with friends where it was like, okay, we're all going to get together. We're going to play this game together. It's going to be awesome. Um, you know, whether it's split screen co-op on, you know, on certain games or, or, you know, everybody lugs their 400 pound PCs and our big (laughs) CRT monitors everywhere and, and, uh, you know, figures it all out. But those were, I just dated myself. (laughs) You know what? I'm I'm actually going to be going to one this weekend. So, but at least the (laughs) monitors are thin now. I mean, good God, that was... That was awful back in the day. Right. Um, All right. So, so I think we've covered asymmetrical VR at least as it stands, and and a little bit into like what we hope to see. Um, you know, we've we've talked about the various experiences that are out there, some some highlights. Um, but you know, I think asymmetrical experiences are a genre onto their own that are something to look forward to, something to keep our eye on. Um, I don't know if we'll see something from Insomniac that's, you know, that's an asymmetrical game that, that blows things out of the water, but, you know, we'll, I hope so. I hope to see, like, really polished, really good asymmetrical gameplay come out in the next few years. I will say, um, when I was playing Akron, while it's very, it's obviously yeah. a very simple game, the amount of right. polish put into that game. It oh, yes. played in, oh, on yeah. every level it played perfectly. And I think yeah, on some on some level those simpl- the simplicity of some of these asynchronous games is somewhat the charm of them. Right. I have sure. no qualms about a cartoony looking game or a game that has a visual aesthetic that is not real world realism. And, that, and that's the thing is like I can be just as immersed in something that was made in Google Blocks as I can be in something that took, you know, multiple artists months of work to to make it look amazing Mm -hmm. i had just as much fun like i played the medal of honor demo at oc6 which is you know one of the most ambitious vr projects we've seen to date and i still had more fun playing akron which you know tells you something (laughs) about about gameplay like it's it's fantastic Medal of Honor was awesome. It was great for for what it was, but you know, like it's always going to speak to to people differently. And I am just I was just as immersed in that as I was in the other. You know, a, a thing I've always said when when people talk about game design, right. or uh, there was a piece of advice that was given to me once, which was make the game using nothing but you know solid colored 
primitives, you know, cubes and spheres mm-hmm. and so on. Just just make the mechanics. If it's fun with just cubes and spheres, you've got a good game. If it's not fun with cubes right. and spheres, all the art you can throw at it is not going to make it better. Uh, so you you get your your mechanic down, and if your mechanic works well, it it will work just fine. Low poly, it will work just fine. You know, in in a number of different styles. Uh, and I think that's what the quest has really shined is they figured out, yeah, it doesn't have to be photo real. Uh, it, as long as it's good enough to be compelling uh, and the game mechanic is good, then it's it's going to be great. Yeah, yeah that, that's kind of a trick that the video game industry has been using for a while. Yeah. It, you know, but, 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 but before they actually move <laughs> on a game and really dedicate time to it, you know, they'll have one guy just kind of spin up something, uh, you know, really, really crude looking, but you know if if they have that much fun in that and they want to go back to it then they, they know they're onto something yeah so kind of, i was going to say it's kind of when i've seen like those videos of when they first started building overwatch um and they took out like you know just blocked out some levels had the tracer model that they that they had like prepared for the other game like literally running around in t-pose as they start <laughs> like first started putting in together <laughs> together the mechanics of the game it was like 15 tracers you know, warping around in T-pose. Only true gameplay. Right, absolutely. It just reminds, it sounds like Gmod, but yeah. So, <laughs> so um, speaking of, I guess, development, this is a perfect segue, or since it's 2020, is it is it a perfect hoverboard? Like, do you hoverboard oh, to the God. next topic? Or do I you, wish. Yeah, you that's the dream. Segue? How does that work? I'm, I'm obviously a millennial and I don't understand it, but, you know, that's, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hip enough to, to get that. So, perfect segue um, so you guys have been working sort of in the shadows, pun intended, uh, on some things. Do you want to let us know, like, so what's, what are y'all working on? Is there anything you can tell us? What are you, you know, do you have anything exciting you want to talk about? And then also, uh, after that, uh, how can people find y'all? How do we, you know, how do people get in touch with you if, if they're interested in following what y'all are doing? Yeah. So, um, over the last, what, four months, six months? Um, we've been working on a VR game, uh, multiplayer. We've the idea behind the game is there's this early 2000s uh, flash game I really enjoyed called Age of War. Um, okay. for, for those of you guys that out there that didn't play this, uh, the concept was super simple. Um, 2D screen. On the far left was your castle, and on the far right was an enemy castle. And the idea was uh, simply, you know, you summon new troops, kind of like civilization, and they move across, you know, across the battlefield, left to right, and engage with enemy units. And as the game progressed, you would gain money, and you could upgrade eras, starting from, like, the caveman era, and you would upgrade to middle medieval, um, modern warfare, future warfare, all kinds of stuff. Um, so we kind of taken that concept... Uh, and with inspirations from like you know things like Lord of the Rings and every other fantasy epic out there, um, we're taking that concept to VR. So picture your picture you know in the third Lord of the Rings movie, you got Gandalf sitting on the, the walls of Minas Tirith. You know you got armies of orcs sitting out overhead. Um, he's you know commanding the troops. We're trying to invoke that same kind of feelings, those kinds of things. Um, in this game, you're going to be grabbing uh, you know the actual ballistas that you're that your castle fires, firing that out into the crowd of, you know, enemies. Uh, you're going to be making and mixing spells. And we're going to try 
we're going to try and... What's the best explanation for this? Uh, have a, a dynamic creation system. Yes. Where you, you know... You start with one set of ingredients, and you, you can make spells of all different kinds. Um, we're talking, uh, you know, general buffs for your armies. Uh, we're talking fireballs. We're talking defensive structures on the field. Um, crazy stuff like... So, sub yeah, I think that's the kind of main differentiator we're doing. The, the gist of it is you're, you know, you're a player standing atop his castle wall facing up and against a opposing wizard on the opposite wall. And this is a multiplayer kind of versus game. Um, so you're basically fighting against one another indirectly through these units that are you're sending out and choosing on the field. Uh, you've got your emplacements on the wall, kind of like Carlos. We want ballistas. We want things you can kind of physically interact with and knock over, um, like lava walls that spill out over that you can like push over big old pots of oil and stuff. And the kind of main thing is the spell crafting system uh, that we're kind of building, which we're making to be really interactive and take full advantage of VR as a, as a mobile medium um, where you can craft and cast spells of different types using these elements that you're going to be able to unlock more of as you go from era to era and era, thus kind of expanding your spell and your spell tree and your kind of versatility. Uh, which the players are going to be able to take advantage of as you go. That sounds pretty exciting. So just out of my own personal curiosity, are we going to get to see sort of a preview at the, of this at Houston VR anytime soon? I don't need a date. I don't want to push you guys. But, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners are, are members of the Houston virtual reality community and, and augmented reality community. So is this something they can look forward to at a future event? Yeah, definitely. So we had some goals to kind of try and get a demo out by the end of the month. Um, okay. If we hit that, as we had hoped, um, we'll be bringing it to the Houston VR next month, uh, like March. I think it's a little too late to do it this month. Um, we'll definitely yeah, try it. Given that it's a few days away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, sorry. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. <laughs> oh, as, uh, as of this recording, it's tomorrow. <laughs> oh, hell no. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no problem. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, that's one of the things that we love about uh, the community that we have is that, you know, we encourage developers to bring their content out, you know, beta test it with our, with our, you know, with our audience, beta test it with our members because, you know, that gives you gives you an opportunity to put it in front of people. I know personally when I'm working on something for days and days and days and weeks, you know, I just kind of get tired of it. You kind of get tunnel vision and you're just like, I just need someone else to look at this and tell me if I'm crazy or not. And so, you know, I think I think it's great that y'all are going to bring that out and let people kind of get a get a first crack at it. And uh, I hope to see it soon. Oh yeah, we're, we're big fans and uh, big advocations of um early testing and early you know iteration so we can yeah. figure out what you know in this game works and what doesn't work so we can improve it because we go circles and circles and circles around with ourselves and said like oh this feature or this concept would be really really cool to implement let's let's when are we going to be able to do this what are we going to have but i'm just like wait hang on hold up is it fun is it accomplishing the kind of three main things three main pillars that we want the player to feel and do and we're just like, oh, I'm sure it'll be fun or it'll be great. Like, oh, but uh, is it? Do, do we know? It's like, I don't know. We won't know until we test it, until we build it, until we get a third opinion because we are going to be biased as heck. Yeah, it's kind of hard to not be biased on your own project. Yeah, that's the nature of being a developer. Oh, yeah. Right. So 
where can people find out more about this project? Is there a website? Is there a Twitter? Is there a Facebook? Is there anything uh, people can sort of follow along and find out some more information other than obviously at the Houston Virtual Reality Meetup? Right. So um, starting off, I know for a fact we do have our Instagram active at the moment. Um, Shadow's optional. We try to do weekly posts um, and, you know, doing small updates of our game, small mechanics here and there. Um, I do know we also have our Twitter up and active. Um, Jacobo, what is the handle for that? If you can confirm uh, that for me. I think it's like optional shadows. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out shadows <laughs> optional was taken. Well, we definitely have a Reddit called shadows optional at the very least. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So both Reddit and Instagram are, are shadows optional. Okay. Um, you can find us there. And then Twitter is one of those things. It, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we'll do is we'll get some, we'll get some links and, uh, we'll include that in the show notes for the listeners. So it's easier to find and, we know for sure that we're sending to them to the right things. One um, thing we definitely do improve on as a team is being more active on the kind of social media and consistent. I mean, I think that's something we all have have uh, issues with. Like I said, I'm old, so you know, the face chat and the snapgram doesn't, doesn't really <laughs> sit with me, and I, I I fail at it. I mean, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter, but rarely, and I don't interact much. So I think everybody, you know, if you're a tech person. You know, either you're you're the kind of tech person that uses the crap out of social media, or you're the kind of tech person who says, "Yeah, no, I I work on the things that run that. I don't care about, about the actual <laughs> yeah, interaction." That that's more of me. I, I don't know how any. I don't know how to use any of the like social medias. I just program yeah. stuff. I just want to find memes, and I don't really care about talking to anybody. <laughs> there you go. Just like, is it a source of memes or not? Yeah. <laughs> R slash All right, memes. guys. Well, it was. It, I'm glad we had y'all on um, uh, you know thanks for joining us um did anybody else have anything else uh before we say goodbye no thank no. you for having uh, us oh uh just because i have a platform for it and i just wanted to get this off my chest um oculus for the love of god please make the quest more reliable every other day it's either a crapshoot between working or not working and this is the most voice i'll ever have so please for the love of god just standardize <laughs> something anything i need to work <laughs> i'm like 70 percent sure that mark zuckerberg is like our only listener so <laughs> wonderful as long right as somebody the... kind of important then is listening it's going right to the top buddy don't worry they're gonna get you they're gonna, they're gonna hear it i can dream uh, yeah we'll, we'll get emails about it tomorrow i'm expecting right right oh, yeah. like, oh, yeah. you're oh, yeah. gonna have all of a sudden you're just gonna be you know you're gonna have a new follower on instagram and it's mark zuckerberg shut or <laughs> right. Call, come back tomorrow, guys. It's not going to be shadows optional. It's going to be your, it's going to be Zuckerberg gray optional. V-necks. Get your gray V necks from the same store. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show today with us. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming on, uh, and thank you to everybody listening. Thank you. Uh, for having we us. are almost ten episodes in finally, um, and it's been fun. We basically just had the idea to do this, and so now it's been. You know, we just get on here every so often and uh, and basically just chatter on about nonsense for a while. That's kind of why the podcast is virtually relevant, because we're virtually relevant <laughs> about most things, but kind of not. Sounds so, about right. Yeah, that's that's the way it works. So anyways, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next episode, everybody. See you Bye. next time. Thanks for having us. Have a good hey, one, everyone. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Virtually Relevant. 
If you liked it, please consider rating and reviewing us on your favorite podcast app. It helps bring us up in the charts and makes us easier to find. If you'd like to support Houston VR and this podcast, please consider becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash Houston VR. Until next time, thanks for listening.